Hey guys, welcome back. A few things before we get started. As usual, don't forget about our promo codes. If you're looking for a new CBD to try, try Hopewell Farm CBD. That stuff is amazing. They have other products, skin salves and stuff, which works great for like poison ivy and stuff like that. You can save 10% off all their products with Journey to Truth 10. It's some of the best stuff I've used. I highly recommend it. That link is below. Omnia Radiation Balancer. It's a patch that you put on any radiating device. It's like an EMF protection, but it doesn't actually block it. It harmonizes the frequency into something beneficial to your body. And you can get 10% off of that with promo code TRUTH, all caps. And our newest affiliate, Ascent Nutrition, they have some amazing products like algae oil, their coffee, which Aaron says is the best coffee he's ever tried, pine needle extract, among many other things. I've been taking a pine needle extract. And I, I know that's good for decalcifying your pineal gland, pine tea, all that stuff, but it tastes amazing. And I really think if I, I'm feeling a difference uh, by using it, but we don't have a promo code for those products, but we believe in those products. They're all natural, all organic. And you can find that link below in the description also. So tonight, I, this is an episode I'm very excited about. I've been looking forward to this one. Um, Samuel Chong reached out to me a month or so ago. Uh, about this book, The Thea Uba Prophecy, about a man who was abducted and spent nine years on another planet, but physically abducted. This isn't like an astral abduction or a dream. This happened physically. He came back and he wrote this book to tell a story. And Samuel, I guess, I don't, we're going to let him explain to us how he stumbled across this book, was taken by it, so taken by it that he flew to Vietnam and actually hunted down the author because he didn't actually have an address. From my understanding, he only had a picture and he was able to locate the author. He spent some time with him and he got some insights from the author himself about his, his trip and his experience on this other planet. The book itself is profound. Uh, so spoiler alert, we're going to be breaking it down. We're going to get into a lot yeah. of the information in this book. Yeah, there it is there right it is. there. Or you can do like I did and print out the whole PDF. What Tyler did. <laughs> and put some clamps on it. Because uh, at the time, I could only find like a 70 something dollar copy of it online. But Aaron found a. Uh, you got Amazon for 18. But that's under bucks. a different title. It's under a different title. That's why you didn't know. We'll get into all that. But so, spoiler alert, we are going to be getting into a lot of the content in this book. Also, trigger alert this book challenges and shatters belief systems. It really does. If you if it's true, it, if, if it's true, which I believe it is after reading it, I just finished it. Um, to me, it's profound. It's next level. And it's exactly what I was looking for on my journey. And it does shatter a lot of belief systems, especially surrounding religions. Uh, but I think it's really crucial because if this information is true, it's life changing and the, and the world needs to know. So I'm excited to get into this tonight and welcome to the show. Samuel, how are you doing? Good, good. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, thank you yeah. for reaching thank out you. and introducing us to this book. Uh, like I said, yes. it's, it's quite literally uh, amazing, some next level stuff. And it's been around since the 90s. And it's funny how it's just now made it into my awareness. And like, it's just now uh, getting traction. And so I'll let you share the story on how this book impacted you, why you decided to fly to Vietnam and find the author uh, and how that whole story happened. Yeah, so I had this kind of fascination about learning from the best. So I always always wanted to learn from ETs that have uh, advanced civilization in order to learn from them, their technologies, or their ways of living. So in my subconscious mind, 
I was searching for such information. So one day I was looking for ET contactees books on Amazon. And this book back then it was titled Abduction to the Next Planet. It was selling very expensively, but I checked it out from a local from a library through an interlibrary loan service. And then after reading that, um, I mean, in the very beginning, I thought this is just another book about ET contactees. But when I read the chapter about who is Christ, it really blew my mind. I mean, I couldn't find any other books, uh, any other book like this one that totally changed my perception about um, what I used to believe in. And also, um, especially, um, it talks about a lot of the ET technologies that really could change our lives. Um, but also it talks about the, the meaning of life, reincarnation, and also a lot of the uh, things uh, in the Christianity religion. Uh, it doesn't really say a lot of good things about the church, but it says very good things about Jesus Christ. So <laughs> this is very interesting to me. But at the uh, uh, postscript, it says there are more incredible things that uh, the author Michel de Marquet was not allowed to write in the book. Um, because we are far from understanding them. And that got me very curious because the content of the book is already incredible enough for me, at least for me, and what's more incredible about it. And I really wanted to know my curiosity, just uh, I just had to find this tracking down. So that's why I took the journey to Vietnam without knowing where he, exact, he was living exactly. And I, I, I showed the picture of his bungalow to a taxi driver and uh, at the second try, he took me to the right place and I met the author. And um, in the very beginning, he didn't tell me anything. He was uh, just uh, frustrated that I was asking all those uh, stupid questions. And, <laughs> and But later on, he found out that I could help him to, help him to get his book published in China. And, um, and, and afterwards, he invited me for the second time. And that's when he really told me that one thing he was not he was not allowed to write in the book. Now, are you is that something that you're able to share now, or is that still something that he he asked you he told you in confidence? Mm. For the people who read the book, um, I can say that uh, this is something that uh, they should uh, really know about the stories in the Bible, the Old Testament, and also the books that didn't really go into the Bible in the very beginning. For example, the Book of Enoch. Um, they also need to know a lot of information about geographies and because that information is very specific, um, just like other content, other information revealed or disclosed in the book, very specific but verifiable. And, uh, and also to the curious readers, um, I wrote an article about it and uh, it's on my website. It's like a puzzle or like a riddle. If people read between the lines, they're going to know what what it is about, but not uh, exactly what it is. So they're going to have to really work their way through and to 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 really know what's 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 going to happen. Wow, I'm going to have to check that article out. Uh, and one of the things that struck me with the book also is it really tells a history of planet Earth, um, at a time before our moon was here, and when the first civilizations landed in Australia and then Burma and how those civilizations thrived at one point and they were taken out and it really and it really goes into Atlantis and Lemuria and Egypt and and all the offsprings of their uh civilizations and just how this planet was really just a hodgepodge of different ET races and 
it's absolutely fascinating to me. And not, and not only in the history of the planet, but his account also of his own experiences and experiences in life on another planet. And which is profound because they explain that there's nine regions of planets and their planet is the ninth region, which is like the highest, I guess, as far as densities go. Um, would you mind touching on that a little more from your understanding? Yes, uh, he spent actually nine days on the planet Theoba. Um, according to the Theobans, the ETs that have a very advanced civilization, there are a total of nine different categories of planets on, in the universe. Uh, we people on Earth, we are living on a category one planet, like elementary school students. And the Theobans, they are living on a category nine planet, like uh, college professors. So they have been really guiding us throughout history, uh, just like mentors, uh, showing us the right direction to, to, to go and to live and to think. And But they have been doing that um, relatively indirectly, but they actually helped a lot uh, in the past, uh, which were really recorded in the stories in the Bible. So for example, the destruction of the two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah was uh, one of their interventions. Um, there was there were also other interventions uh, that they did. For example, during, during World War II, Germany was about to develop the atomic bomb. Um, but they prevented uh, from happening. They made a lot the United States government to develop the, the atomic bomb earlier than the Germans so that the World War II could um, end much earlier and with less uh, uh, casualties. Um, they also helped um, a lot of uh, people on Earth uh, to uh, by, by like this author, uh, Michel de Marquet, having him to write a book and to, to really reveal a lot of the mysteries that people have been wondering about. Uh, for example, the uh, what happens in the Bermuda Triangle, uh, why so many planes and ships disappear, and what uh, who built the Great Pyramid and for what what purposes? What about the statues on Easter Island, and and uh, what about the the human energy field, the auras? Uh, what significance uh, there? So so many things that can be verified, and and it's very logical the way that they explained. Uh, a lot of things. For example, uh, for the Great Pyramid, it says it's, it's an energy center. Um, it's a tube built by the the uh, Thoth, uh, the person yeah. from Atlantis. Um, over the over nine years of time, using anti gravitational technologies and also supersonic vibrational systems to cut the stones in a very precise manner. So this uh, resonates to me, and it seems uh, to be very logical. Unlike other contactees who say that they got information from ET saying that the Great Pyramid was built by 200,000 slaves over maybe 40 years or maybe a long yeah. time. So that, that really doesn't make any sense to me if uh, it was explained that way. But this book uh, makes so much sense and it resonates me not so much for this, but also for the stories in the Bible. Right. And that's where I say it's profound and it's and, and belief shattering because um, if it's true like it straight up tells you that take the word well the original bible the original one that was untampered with um, even still was a com compilation of stories written by scholars at the time and even even still wasn't entirely accurate but they still 
they said take out the word god or gods and replace it with the thea ubens and then you have an accurate account of history on earth because they were the ones who were interacting with civilization at that time where the people on earth thought that they were gods and when they talked about coming from the heavens that was really just their ship like the heavens was their ship and it's like it takes all the mis the mystery out of it which is like upset some people because i think that's part of what entices people into religions is there's always these unknowns and these mysteries that leave you guessing but when you put ets in place of angels and and god in in, in this case which it was never meant to be translated that way or interpreted that way uh, it really changes things. And especially, like you said, the story of Jesus. And and so this is really different. He, they explained that Jesus and Christ are two different, actual two different people. Yes. So when I was reading the Bible, I really didn't believe anything written in the Bible. I mean, as a Chinese myself, I'm sometimes very suspicious about the, whether Jesus really existed when, when I was reading the Bible the first time or for a long time, period of time. Um, because I'm thinking, like, how could someone perform all the miracles? But after reading this book, it really made me believe in the stories in the Bible. And uh, But then there are some people say, oh, Jesus went to India. There were records of that. And also, this book made me uh, think, why didn't Jesus perform any miracles? I mean, why there was no record of him performing miracles before the age of 30? Um, that really... Um, Got, uh, got me thinking. And, and this book explains that uh, the Jesus that was born out of Virgin Mary was the, the Jesus that really came from the embryo implanted or planted by the ETs into the uh, uterus of Virgin Mary. Uh, Mary was indeed a virgin. They were doing that just to fulfill the prophecy that uh, a Messiah was going to be born out of a virgin. Um, but when a person is born that way, out of an embryo, implanted embryo, uh, the person has to go through the river of oblivion, forgetting all the things happened uh, in, in his or her past lives, forgetting all the skills or the knowledge of performing miracles. So that's why the Jesus born out of Virgin Mary couldn't perform miracles, but he was a very spiritual person, very knowledgeable, very smart, very intelligent. And he actually went to India and also traveled to China and died in Japan. So that's why there's a tomb of Jesus Christ in Shingo village, Japan. Remember this book was written in the early 90s or late 80s. And there was no internet at that time. And, um, and it talks about the, the Shingo village in Japan having a tomb of Jesus Christ and also a tomb next to the tomb of Jesus Christ, which is supposed to be the tomb of uh, his brother. And I did some research and, and found out that uh, people in that village in Japan um, sing a song in which resembled the ancient Hebrew language. And people there had a lot of, uh, or still have a lot of customs that are so different from the rest of Japan. So people wonder where that came from. Um, on the other hand, on the other hand, Christ, who performed all the miracles, who died on the cross and then resurrected three days after, was actually one of the ETs, um, one of the Theobans. They did that was to really make people believe in the teachings of Jesus Christ, because people at that time 
are really similar to the people uh, in our times. We have to see, we have to really uh, experience, we have to really get a lot of proof in order to believe that person. So they had to um, have someone who could perform miracles to show the people that he was indeed the Messiah, uh, so that his teachings could be uh, learned and remembered and believed. Um, so that's why um, Jesus uh, Christ was able to perform all the miracles because he was one of the EPs. Um, and his main purpose was just to preach spirituality and love. He resurrected three days after uh, just to show people that there was um, life after death. There is life after death and there is reincarnation. Um, but somehow the concept of reincarnation got erased from the Bible by the Catholic Church, uh, the church councils. Right. Yeah. And so that, that's what's fascinating to me is that so Jesus ended up in Japan and died there. And the two the, the two uh, graves there, one is Jesus and one is actually isn't his brother, but it contains a lock of hair from his brother that he carried around with him. And which is really interesting. And then so when Christ, as we know, it appeared back in the desert, people thought that it was Jesus returning, if I understand that correctly, but it was actually Athea Ubin who somehow came in human form and was basically, they weren't miracles. It's just the human potential, what we're capable of at our fullest potential. And it looks like magic and it looks like miracles to somebody who doesn't know any better. And mm -hmm. he was showing them what was possible. And then whenever he was, he actually knew he was going to be crucified because he saw his whole life before he came here. So he knew that he was coming here to be crucified. And after that, three days later, they literally came, the Theobans came and took him from the grave, revived him on the ship and then put him back. So it wasn't like, uh, I don't know, this miraculous resurrection. They were just using their technology to revive him. And it makes so much more sense to me because of we, what we talk about on the show all the time. We know the technologies that are available and why wouldn't they be using them then? And it's mm -hmm. interesting that they had to, they, they were allowed at this point to intervene, but they can't always intervene because of universal law. And they explain that over and over in the book. Yes, they uh, choose the certain time point, critical time that they intervene. And they don't intervene a lot because uh, they are looking to give us an opportunity or, or environment to learn and to develop our spirituality on our own. For example, I, use, I will use this analogy. Uh, I'm a person who likes to solve a lot of problems. I mean, if I solve the problems on my own, I would uh, learn a lot more than if my parent just gave me the answers directly. Right. I, mean, I like to find my own ways to, to resolve certain things. I think the ETs are doing the same thing right now. They're allowing us to, to learn to uncover the mysteries of the universe, the meanings of life, um, and not to intervene us by giving us these solutions directly. Yeah, exactly. It's all, it's all a lesson. It's a school, really, basically. And they even show, and there's one page in the book that goes through all these different versions of the Bible that are wrong, that have been changed intentionally for the greed of whatever religion it was. And Aaron, I mean, you can talk about that more than I can as far as, I mean, you grew up in that 
Yeah, and I did. And that's well, there's even a lot of mistranslations on top of there's so there there's you know the Council of Nicaea where they decided what books are gonna go into the Bible and then which ones aren't, and all the ones they left out are like the book of Enoch and all these, all the ones with the really empowering information of like our true power and potential. Of course, they're gonna they're gonna leave those out because they don't want the control systems, you know, don't want that uh, us being aware of that because they can't control us if we <laughs> if we are empowered. They need to keep us in fear, fear of hell. They created the whole idea of hell, which is not biblical. It's a mistranslation completely. Uh, every word in the Bible that gets translated as hell does not mean our modern day concept of hell. Uh, and even the word God is usually a mistranslation. Elohim means the shining ones, plural. It means plural of like some kind of uh, beings that came from the heavens. So it's like ETs. Right. So when you really read what the Bible actually says, even after all that, just the Greek and the Hebrew uh, text and then you you really understand what the words actually mean, not how they get translated, and then a different meaning assigned to the translation. You can see the Bible says something completely different than what what we're taught and what Christians are taught, and and the whole doctrine that's kind of like you know that modern day Christianity has now. When you you're like, well, where did this come from? Well, when you do your research you realize it came from the Roman Catholic church and that's Rome. Rome was basically what we call the cabal or the, uh, you know, the current deep state globalists, uh, people trying to enslave humanity. Well, that was Rome. That that's where so much of the Christian doctrine comes from because they needed, they used it. They used those true teachings and the, and the movement that was created. They're like, okay, we need to, we need to adopt this, but then like make it our own version to their benefit, to their benefit. Right. And that what, how can we keep people in fear and use this to, you know, as a, as a control system, rather than actually trying to teach people the truth empower you know, them, and yeah. empower it. Yeah, Cause that's the last thing they want. So when I understood that, I'm like, Oh, the, the whole Christian doctrine is comes from that. So there's all these truths in it. There's all these beautiful truths in it and wisdom in it, but there's all this lies and, mistranslations and right. stuff in it as well and you got to be able to if you understand that and then you can read it and then you can you can kind of like weed out that stuff out and and see the good stuff mm-hmm. and the truth that's that's in there that's and they also yeah. explain on one page how they they give an example of the bible and they go through and show how every other line it's contradicting itself yeah and and mm-hmm. it also talks about so the hebrews are actually a race of ETs that crash landed here from the planet Hebra. And at that time when they landed here, they were the most advanced race on the planet. And that's where the entire Bible stemmed from was the original survivors of that crash. And yeah. would you mind touching on that a little bit? Because that part is actually fascinating. Yes. Uh, the Hebrews, the Jewish people originally actually came from category three planet. Um, I asked the author, the author, Michelle Marquet confirmed it. And they were um, two levels up from us at that time. And um, they uh, crash landed on, on Earth um, in southern Russia. And then, um, so according to this book, it talks about how they survived um, on a lower level planet. And because 
they are were actually they have been living on a planet which uh, really um, really doesn't belong belong they don't really belong here because they belong to a category three planet. Um, they have been really experiencing a lot of difficulties, uh, persecutions, and also jealousy, hatred. And this is actually part of the reason that um, that uh, they have been facing so much um, challenges, uh, so so many challenges on Earth. Um, so so basically, the Jewish people, the Hebrews, they are very spiritual. And uh, they were very spiritual. And that's why they were the chosen people because uh, the Theobans didn't really want uh, such a spiritual group of people to go to the wrong path or to to uh, to decay like the rest of uh, people on earth. Because um, the Romans at that time, they were really uh, indulged in a lot of materialistic um, um, aspect. They did a lot of things that they shouldn't uh, have done, such as... Uh, um, like having a lot of um, um, sexual activities with uh, animals or things, or using drugs. So, so the Theobans really wanted to uh, save or save the Jewish people. So that's why they chose the Jewish people. That's why they're the chosen people. Right, and explains, and it also explains that these Hebrews who crash landed. Uh, so there, there was like eight of them, and there was an explosion while they were working on their ship, and only three survived, one man and two females. And that's actually where the story of Adam and Eve came from, And which is interesting because their names were never Adam or Eve. There wasn't just two females. I mean, there wasn't just one female. There was two that he impregnated. I forgot the names. I forgot the names of the actual people, like Ronanon, Diva, and Levita, or something like that. Yeah. And that's where the story of Adam and Eve stemmed from. It was never this thing that was written by the scholars. And so right off the bat, that was misinterpreted, if you want to add to that. Yes, uh, that's that's true. And and uh, also, uh, remember, the Bible was written uh, at least 2,000 years ago. And if uh, when I was reading the Bible, I found the Bible used, um, used a lot of analogy or like uh, descriptions uh, that are very easy for the people at that time to understand. So it's like us uh, explaining the dangers of atomic bomb to a caveman. So we have to use yeah. a lot of uh, descriptions or analogies in order for uh, the caveman to understand. So similarly, the Bible was written this way. The teachings of Jesus Christ was uh, done just to make people at that time to understand better. Um, so now we have uh, advanced technologies. We have a lot of evidence of reincarnation. We also have a lot of different uh, things that are really, I mean, modern people can, can more easily understand a lot of things than, than 2,000 years ago. I think uh, it's time for people to really rethink about um, the meaning of life and the purpose of um, a lot of things that have been happening. Um, one point in one sentence in the Bible that really got me is uh, the kingdom of God is within. We we really can connect to the source, the creator on our own without going through an intermediary like an agency. So we don't need to rely on the clergy or the church to lead us to 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 God or the source. We can just do uh, our own because um, when God created every one of us, it inserted a, a tiny small portion of itself into our physical body so that we can really connect to him or to, to God at any time through meditation or through like uh, prayers. 
uh, sometimes we can also get a lot of um, knowledge just by having a good night of sleep because um, there's a French proverb or saying, saying that uh, night brings counsel. So when we face uh, life challenges, when we don't know where to go, we might just uh, meditate or have a good night of sleep. If it's going to be good spiritual growth, the answer will be provided to us because we are connected to the source. Right. And it's right. in it's in every one of us and every living thing and being in the universe. And this book also explains all the way like the how the universe was created by source. And it's I mean, it's like it, it has a lot of answers, but it also has a lot. It doesn't have a lot. Also, it, it kind of gives you a brief synopsis of things, but it doesn't go into great detail. Some things it does. Uh, but even so take the whole Bible part out of the book there, this book is so much more than that. The, it, it talks like go back to the original inhabitants of earth and uh, Lumerian times and what actually happened there in Atlantis and Easter Island and how, uh, so the statues on Easter Island, it explains that those statues aren't actually, they aren't supposed to be in the likeness of the beings that, but they represent different star nations at that time they were, they were visiting. So it's like a more it's more of a dedication to them. So those stones were never actually meant to resemble the actual beings at that time. And so that's one of the answers. It kind of clarifies that. And obviously most of Lumeria is underwater, but you Easter Island was actually like the, the core of the quarry where a lot of those stones were uh, quarried from that they built their pyramid in Lumeria, I think, which was like three times larger than the Great Pyramid in Egypt. And it goes into all those details. Yes, this book is very different from um, any other book that I read. It has a very specific information, a lot of details that actually uh, can be verified. Uh, for example, um, besides uh, Lemuria, also talks about the um, other, like where Lemurians came from. Um, they actually came from another planet um, called Arimo X3. So about 250,000 years ago, um, because of overpopulation on that planet, they were exploring another planet for them to migrate to. So they found, uh, they, they look at the Mars, they also look at the Earth. At that time, there was uh, life on Mars, but, um, but because the Mars, because Mars was cooling down at its core, so um, it was a dying planet. So they look at Earth and explore the, a little bit um, and found that continent um, back then called uh, Lemuria. Um, but uh, then um, in the um, northeastern corner of Lemurian continent, there was a small group of Chinese people living there. So being Chinese people, they were really suspicious. They're still very suspicious now. So they they kind of attacked it, attacked it, the, uh, the um, Arena people from X3. So they had to retreat and they, because they didn't really want to um, fight a war. So they used um, the back of the moon, the rear side of um, the far side of the moon as a transfer station. So they built alien ET bases on the back side of the moon um, so that they can migrate step by step. Um, so that's why we nowadays find evidence of uh, ancient life forms on Mars and also um, something interesting or alien structures on the far side of the moon. So I find that very interesting because this book 
uh, contains information that can be verified in the future. <laughs> Only uh, when the book was written, people didn't know about it. But after a few years or so many years, more evidence came in and um, proved that uh, the facts written in the book. Right. Yeah, it's all incredible. And it talks about like even small details, like in Lumuria, whenever he was, uh, after they actually traveled there and showed him like what life was like there and how it was thriving and there was spaceports and, and, but whenever their King at the time had passed away, they were having this major celebration. And he was so, the author was so confused because he didn't understand why they were celebrating instead of mourning and that we have it backwards. They said, no, that they look at it as, as that King being freed from his, restraints his astral body being freed from the restraints of the physical vessel and they know it's a glorious time for him because he's evolving and he's moving on in his soul's journey and they understood that so it was a big celebration and no one was sad and it's so opposite now we're taught to mourn and be sad when we lose our loved ones it's completely backwards yes uh because a king of uh, lemuria uh, really serves the people well. They know, they knew that he was going to move up the ladder to go to a higher category of planet. Actually, um, this is a, a key thing is that the meaning of life is actually a, a learning experience. We, The life challenges that we face every day are actually uh, lessons to, to, to be learned. Uh, it really depends on how we respond to the challenges, how we gain spiritual lessons by by responding to certain difficult situations. Um, so the king of Lemuria really did well, served the people, and really um, people loved him very much. So they knew that he was ascending to, to a higher, higher category, so they were celebrating. On the other hand, if we really didn't uh, take this precious opportunity well, if we just um, um, didn't do well in this lifetime, then, then we are going to get some kind of um, karma, whether it's good or bad. <laughs> so, so this is a very important uh, uh, information in the book. So, life is actually something we should uh, take very seriously as an opportunity to grow spiritually, to develop our spirituality. Right. Um, this is actually verified by people who have uh, had near-death experiences. They had a life reveal after after the, their, their passing away so they revealed everything happened in in his or her life how 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 they behaved how the other people behaved and this is uh, really something that uh, um that we should uh, take very seriously that take this uh, important lesson right and i forget how it's exactly worded in the book but they they said the entire purpose of the physical vessel is for the soul's evolution it's not like nothing else, like at the end of the day, the entire purpose is the soul's evolution and our growth. Yes, that's right. Um, we really need to know that uh, there's life after life and there's life after death. And we need to know that uh, we um, have different uh, lessons to learn. We have different purposes in life, different missions in life. And this is uh, something that people, um, especially Christians, I think a lot of Christians, they just uh, think that after death, if, if they really believe in, in, in Christ, they will go to heaven. That's really not the case. Uh, remember, if, um, for example, Hitler, he believed uh, Christ, 
and, and then after he died, would he immediately go to heaven? That's not the case at all because he he killed so many people. He would really um, have those kind of uh, consequences uh, uh, happen to him. Uh, he really need he would um, kind of uh, take uh, the uh, um, he would feel how millions of uh, Jewish people died, how the uh, suffering the sufferings of those people, and uh, and that's um, he wouldn't go to heaven immediately. He would uh, go step by step and to learn the lessons, move up to the, the ladder. So it's it's more logical than than what the, the current Christians believe. Right, and they also. Right. Were you gonna say something? No, no. Oh. They also explain how the light that you go to is actually not heaven, but it's your higher self. That's actually you're merging with your higher self, and that's the the light that you see whenever you cross over. And it's and it's really interesting. They explain how the astral body, like nineteen percent of it, goes back to source, and then the 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 remaining percentage reunites with your higher self, and therefore reincarnates wherever else it's supposed to reincarnate but then if that 19 percent doesn't go back to source and it gets trapped here that's what makes up what we would call a ghost and it's it's so the astral body is actually made up of electrons that, so it's actually not it's it actually has a physical element that's why you can see it and that's why people see ghosts it's a, a ghost is actually 19 percent of that individual's astral body Yes, uh, we have uh, our higher selves. And when our physical bodies die, 81% um, of the electrons that make up of the astral body um, goes back to the uh, higher self after three days. So it remains on Earth for three days and then uh, reunites with the higher self after three days. So that's why Christ uh, resurrected after three days. Um, so there's a, a reason for that. And the other 19% remains on, on Earth um, as ghosts uh, until either they're, they're recycled by nature or when they recycled with um, the next um, uh, the next lifetime, the astral body of the next uh, reincarnated uh, body. So, so that's why a lot of people see ghosts. I actually, after reading this book, I searched for people who say that they can they, they can see ghosts and there is um, a person named michael corey that i really um met him face to face and then i asked him a lot of questions regarding ghosts what he says what he um his experiences and uh, and, and interactions with ghosts it really matches with uh, what described in this book in which the electrons have memories and because of static forces they resemble the uh, the shape of the body uh, when the person was alive. So that's why he could see the, for example, in my office, there was a dental assistant, uh, a lady who um, who just um, a ghost that falls here. And then he uh, spoke to her and, um, and had a few conversations. So there's really nothing to be afraid of ghosts. They're just uh, electrons when you think about it. And they, they, they get recycled uh, when it's time for them to go. And if you really don't like ghosts, if you think that they bother you, just use a lighter because fire kind of repels electrons. Uh, so that's a way to, to kind of make ghosts go away. Oh, so just burn your house down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a small lighter. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so very fascinating. Like I said, this is some really next level stuff. And 
they also talk about the auras, being able to see the auras. And actually the, the Hebrews and the people back then could see auras. And that's why when they're painted or drawn, they, they're depicted with a halo. And all the halo is, is part of your aura when you're resonating or vibrating at a specific frequency, at a high enough frequency, it appears as a golden ring and what we call the halo. But it's nothing more than if we were able to see auras, that's what we would see in an advanced being. We yes. Um, after reading this book, I did a lot of research on auras or human energy field. There have been a lot of research studies on that too. Um, there are aura cameras around, and but those are not, in my mind, not that accurate. I'm trying to develop something that's more accurate. And people like uh, a NASA, a former NASA scientist called uh, Barbara Brennan, wrote three books on auras and how she was able to foretell what illness a person would have just by looking at uh, the colors of auras. Mm. Uh, for example, when she sees uh, like there's a gray or darkness in, in the liver area, normally about three or six months later, the physical symptoms would appear. Um, and also there's um, uh, a person named um, Rosalind Brewery, and she can see auras too. Uh, she tells a lot of uh, stories about how she was able to see, uh, to, to predict which uh, football was going to win the game just by looking at the auras of the players. Normally, the players with a stronger aura would win the game. Same thing would apply to horse races. Like he, she would be able to tell which horse would win the, the race. Um, and so, so a lot of very interesting um, information. And, and same thing about the... Uh, like the effects of uh, drugs or marijuana or hallucinogens uh, on the colors of auras. I remember she uh, said that uh, the people who smoke marijuana or hallucinogens, um, their colors of aura are normally kind of um, abnormal or ugly. So that shows that uh, there's a, a danger of uh, people using hallucinogenic drugs. Uh, so, so I think uh, this kind of alerts a lot of uh, the people who don't necessarily have this information. Right. And it, yeah, so they also explain, so um, Michel, when he was on the planet, uh, he noticed that all the beings were wearing specific colored clothing, uh, specific to the individual. They handed him a robe that was his own color. He put it on and he felt exhilarating like he he was it was like this blissful feeling he had all this energy and he thought there was some technology in the in the robe but they just explained to him no it's a color that matches your your aura and when you wear a color that matches the color of your aura it gives you those feelings and it actually heals you and they explained that we can do that on earth if we knew what color our aura was we could wear colors to match it and we could feel amazing that's why sometimes we just feel off some days or whatever the case is. It could have a lot to do with the colors that you're wearing and the materials that you're wearing. And they even went as far as saying you could paint like your bedroom where you sleep. If you understood the color of your aura, you can paint your room that color and you actually heal you while you sleep. It's such an advanced technology and so simple, but it's just lost because we can't see auras. That's right. So right now I have been looking for people who can see auras to look at my auras and also the auras of my friends. And I find a lot of uh, very interesting uh, uh, descriptions or, or analysis or readings uh, in which um, um, the person that I know who can see auras can tell whether 
two people get along well or not just by looking at the interactions of the auras of the two people. Uh, for example, uh, uh, two of my friends, uh, three of my friends actually came to my office the other day, and then he was here and he, uh, his name is Roger. He, he looked at the, the auras of the three people and just immediately told them that uh, they're really harmonious and loving family because their auras um, kind of mesh together. Um, and then he also says that if um, if he sees there's a kind of um, straight dividing line between the the auras of two people, that means the two people either they don't get along or they have some kind of um, boundaries um, between them. So so I, I, and also he looked at the auras of some famous people, <laughs> which uh, um, which are, are quite interesting. For example, I gave him. Uh, the aura of uh, a very famous Chinese uh, whistleblower. And he says uh, the aura is very strong and I uh, have a certain color. And, and also uh, famous people like uh, the leaders of, uh, of our country and other countries. So um, very revealing information that matches my experiences as an interpreter because I sometimes interpret uh, some of the uh, supporters of the uh, certain political parties. And then um, they get some information um, when they were telling the Chinese delegation. And um, that information matches with the aura colors of what Roger saw. Right. I want to get into some of the technology of this guy, what he experienced, some of this technology, which one of the things that struck me right off the bat is when he went to, uh, when he was taken onto the, the craft, the lights were blinding him. And he was like, oh, my God, how do you handle these lights? And they kind of laughed and they said, there are no lights. And he's like, what do you mean? I can't even open my eyes. And they explained to him that it's not a light. It's actually a color. It's the color of the wall. The color itself is luminescent. So it's not even a technology. It's just a color that, of, that we don't have here on Earth. And I don't know if you want to add to that at all about the technology. Yes, the first color that he experienced was yellow. And then the second color was blue. Uh, they say that the uh, yellow color and blue colors were used uh, just to disinfect him, um, um, getting rid of uh, the bacteria and certain viruses in his body. I did some research on that, and um, I found that uh, the blue color has uh, antiviral and antibacterial effect. It's really um, been thoroughly, thoroughly uh, researched by a lot of scientists. And there's a paper uh, by Harvard Medical School um, that listed, I think, a few dozens of uh, or tens of um, experiments that showed that uh, certain uh, wavelengths um, of a blue color have uh, antibacterial antiviral effects. Uh, so actually, if we really use this kind of technology, we can uh, do a lot of benefit. And just um, making a like a light that uh, gives out blue color is not that uh, difficult and it's very inexpensive. Uh, on the other hand, if we do that, uh, a lot of manufacturers manufacture this kind of um, blue light uh, disinfection um, kind of tools. A lot of other companies are going to go bankrupt because <laughs> this is more effective than the other uh, kind of harmful disinfection um, methods. Uh, right. So this is a dilemma that we are in. Um, so this book actually talks about a lot of things that are uh, that can be improved 
such as the money is the root of all evils. If we really uh, know, if we really do a lot of research, there are really kind of uh, inexpensive technologies that can be developed that benefit the, the whole humanity. But because of the special interest groups and, and because of the shareholders of the companies, um, they really want to um, sell their own products that uh, are not necessarily that beneficial. Right. It's very true. And in, in every sci-fi movie, almost all of them, when they get out that healing technology or that laser, it's a blue light. It's a blue light. They're scanning whatever. It's blue. The show, the Orville, Star Trek. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're always, it's always a blue light. They're telling you disclosure in these movies. But what I found fascinating about them explaining that the wall, it wasn't a light, but it was the color that that answers the that solves the mystery of all these whistleblowers and experiencers that talk about these hallways and caverns and tunnels being lit up, but they didn't know the source of the light. What if the source of the light is actually the color of the wall itself? And it's the color that's luminescent and it's not actually the electricity. And to me, that's that's very fascinating. And they also talk about how uh, the Thea Ubins, they have night vision, what we would call night vision. They can see just as good at night as they can during the day. Well, so they don't have any lights on their planet and they no lights at all on their planet because of that. Well, go back to Egyptian times, ancient times, even Native America, they have a lot of structures and temples and pyramids with these rooms that are pitch black that they couldn't figure out how they were lighting up these rooms. And there was no evidence of fire or soot. Well, what if the beings weren't humans, but they were more advanced ETs that had night vision and they didn't need lights to light up those pyramids and those the temples? I just something uh, I found very interesting in that book also. Yes, it reveals uh, other technologies that can um, give, out, give a lot of inspirations to us. For example, uh, water can be made from, from air and, and the other way around, uh, water can be split into oxygen and uh, hydrogen atoms. Um, and they mentioned specifically about uh, the importance of hydrogen engines um, on Earth. Uh, they say that back in the 80s, when the book is written, that hydrogen engines were already invented or developed, but they were kind of suppressed uh, by, by the uh, oil companies and also a lot of interest groups. Um, I did research on that. There's a person called uh, Stanley Meyer who developed a, a water, a car that ran on water in the 70s. What he did was that he used a special kind of um, catalyst um, and to make um, a special specific vibration that can cause resonant effect uh, to the um, covalent bond between hydrogen and oxygen in water. So when there's the resonant effect, it makes the hydrogen and oxygen atoms uh, much easier to be broken. Um, so that's when um, he used uh, this kind of method. That's, he used this method to split water molecules into hydrogen and oxygen and use hydrogen as the source of energy for his uh, engine. Mm -hmm. um, this is actually uh, pretty uh, easy to do. Uh, not a lot of people, a lot of people have, um, have done that, uh, but no one has really uh, commercialized it uh, you know, you know, well, wide scale. Well, and that's because mm -hmm. of the oil companies. That's, a, that's exactly what happened. Like William Tompkins talks about uh, being in the think tank at McDonnell Douglas or Douglas, whatever it was at the time. 
And so they would go and recruit all the brightest minds, all the people working on the hydrogen engines and all the stuff, bring them in, develop out these technologies to their fullest extent, and then they would shut down the program and bury that and burn and just get rid of all the evidence, all the blueprints, everything, so that no one else, they wanted to hoard up everybody that was developing it, master it in these black budget programs, and then put a lid on it so it could never get out to the public. So they were they were yeah. actively shutting that down. And it's just, it's really sad. It's really sad. Yeah. But there's also a lot of uh, inventors, uh, they try to apply for patents that's a that's a clue given off uh, to the um, to the special interest groups. So if yeah. people really want to commercialize such technology technologies, they should do that privately. Use social media and to uh, really disclose how they do that, so that people can duplicate it at zero cost. So this is the way to go. If they really want to benefit the the, the humanity, they they should do that this way. But if they try to apply for patents then then they're not going to succeed at all right exactly and that's yeah you're shooting yourself in the foot by applying for a patent so another thing i found interesting is they said that the worst pollution on earth is noise pollution it's worse than anything they said yeah worse than the air pollution the water pollution the chemicals noise pollution is actually more detrimental to our astral body than anything they said the noise that a motorcycle makes is more harmful to you than the pollution coming out of the exhaust pipes. Yes, three times more uh, damage. Right. Because it damages the body, the astral body that we cannot see. Um, certain vibrations are going to cause the electrons um, to, um, to behave in a way that uh, erases the memory and, and also um, in a way that, uh, you know, this is a, the first uh, podcast that you, that's the noise, the danger of noise is mentioned. I try to bring this idea to a lot of the other people, even the people who do a lot of research on the uh, damaging effects on noise. When they read this book, they, they say, oh, this is science fiction. They, they don't believe anything like this, even though they believe that noise is uh, damaging to human health. Um, I, I, you know, is this, we are, we are, you know, we're, we are living in very interesting times. Uh, noise is um, damaging to our human body. And I did a lot of research by asking people who can see auras, if they hear like a loud noise, what effects that noise has on the aura of that person. It's always like, um, um, the answer always is, uh, oh, the aura kind of shrinks or the aura gets some kind of um, scary looking, something like that. Um, you know, this is the area that I like to do more research on, and I really want to bring, just um, ask people to have faith in the information contained or disclosed in the book, just uh, try to uh, avoid the uh, places in which uh, loud noises uh, occur. Right. Yeah. And I think that's true. I mean, there's, and then obviously that's why it's been weaponized against us too. All these frequencies, they change the frequency of the music. And, and not only are we dealing with noise, now we're dealing with radiation and 5G and all that stuff. And it's really upsetting because like, who you know, noise is bad enough, but we talk about EMF radiation, like what is that doing to our astral bodies? Uh, so we have, uh, you know, it's amazing. We're even walking around still, to be honest. Uh, but 
man, we're only scratching on the surface of, of what this book contains. I, I like to go back to the very beginning uh, when they talk about the people who landed here in Australia and Burma and the, the animals and plant life they brought with them, as far as such as the kangaroo or the black boy plant in Australia, which is actually was not indigenous to earth. And it actually took generations before it caught on. But by that time, the can and that they brought that because that's what the kangaroo ate. But they brought the kangaroo because that's what they ate. And it's really interesting. And then there are, I think they explain like lettuce, dogs. I forget. There's a whole list of things that are not actually indigenous to our planet that we think are. Yes, indeed. Uh, the first uh, group of people that came to Earth uh, actually are were the black people and the yellow people. And the black people landed down in Australia, um, and the yellow people landed uh, in Burma. The today's Burma. Um, the the book is very specific and has a lot of details. And it talks about back then, um, Australia was like that. Back then, it was like that. The continents were different from nowadays. So it, it really incorporates uh, plate tectonics <laughs> theory. So. So like uh, in science fiction, people don't say, don't mention anything like that. But but this book uh, explains how the earth, even the continents were like uh, before, like uh, 1 million, uh, 1.35 million years ago. Um, and a lot of, uh, I mean, back then there were advanced civilizations, but then um, somehow a group of the uh, black people from Australia Kind of uh, from from the main group and went to Africa, and there in Africa they had a lot of uh, issues with the clergy because the uh, the priests uh, tried to uh, take take advantage of the people there by um, disallowing their freedom and their independent thinking yeah. and uh, enslaving them, and that caused a lot of issues. So that's a very interesting history. Yeah, repeating itself. <laughs> They said, yeah, they said that Africa was the first place on earth that uh, the rank or the class system was introduced, the rich and the poor. And and there was, that's whenever, whenever that group broke away from the original uh, Australians, whenever they went to uh, Africa, be, they left because they didn't like the beliefs or whatever, the belief system or their governing system. Then they wanted to start their own. And unfortunately, that was the one that ended up monopolizing our planet in the long run. Or that that mindset anyway. But they also going back to the continents and stuff. They explained that Antarctica was connected to Australia back then, and it was all one continent. And they were they explained how you know the geography of the Earth was completely different. And and at that particular time, there was no moon, which I found interesting. Yes, the moon was captured afterwards, and back then. Um, um, the people in Africa had a lot of, um, I mean, there was that kind of uh, event with the uh, involvement or intervention of the ETs of the Ubans to the priests in Africa, to the people in Africa. And then afterwards, uh, um, things got better and they were on the right path. And uh, afterwards, there was kind, some kind of um, um, yellow fever, uh, this kind of issue. Um, that kind of spread it to the people in Australia and in China. Um, and the yellow people uh, invented or discovered the vaccine for the yellow fever. And then they gave it to the black people in Australia, um, showing friendship because people got along very well at that time. 
um, and also the black people help yellow people. So people were living very peacefully for a long time until the asteroids hit um, hit the earth. And, and so that kind of um, made a lot of uh, the civilizations, civilizations disappear. Um, it's unfortunate that we had a, a, a kind of a flood after after the asteroid hit the Earth, it hit the three, it split into three parts. One hit the Red Sea, the other hit the East Timor area, and the other, uh, the largest one hit the Galapagos, Galapagos Island area. Um, so I, I find that to be very interesting because the book um, kind of um, details uh, what really happened in the past that we can verify nowadays. For example, the Galapagos Island, there's an area in which people um, think or guess that there must be an asteroid beneath the uh, the lagoon or the circle of uh, water. So, so it's, uh, everything matches with, with what we see today. Right. They also describe that why we became so primitive is whenever these people get wiped out, it's just like us. Like, yeah, we're an advanced, we're advanced to a certain extent, but do we know how to make a cell phone? Do we know how to build a computer? Do we know how to, do we know how to use and develop this technology? Not everybody does. So if the people, some people get wiped out and just like basic civilians are left, they are going to devalue because they don't understand how to develop that stuff. And it's really interesting to think of it that way. Yes. Um, it really, the book really uh, kind of, uh, implies that we need to think more independently and not just to take what's granted or what's what's uh, told by the uh, authorities we really need to have our own uh, intuitive and logical thinking um, this book uh, tells that there is a group of financiers that control everything uh, and try to influence everything and when i met the author michelle de Marquet, um, he told me that uh, Tao, the E.T. in this book, told him that there are 12 families that people don't know who they are that influence and control the whole world. And I would presume that the 12 families he was or Tao was referring to are not the 12 families that you can find on the internet. Because um, the more I research into it, the more I think uh, they're really playing behind the scenes. Uh, so that really makes uh, us um, need to really think uh, what we should take on the mainstream media or the media in general. Uh, because, uh, you know, I've been on a lot of podcasts, including uh, Coast to Coast. A lot of subjects cannot be spoken to. I mean, I can only allude or just to hint that to the audience that there are a lot of uh, licensed medical doctors that cannot speak on certain topics. In, in on social media. I can only say as far as this, I cannot say any more because otherwise the videos <laughs> won't show up. So I, I just yeah. have to really bring people attention that um, we are in a very, very interesting time in which media tend to uh, believe in what they so-called the scientists or the uh, authorities. Uh, we really need to go onto the or into the alternative media to find out what's really happening around the world, especially my home country, China. You know, being a Chinese myself, uh, 
I sometimes feel very sorry about what happened in in Wuhan, um, and um, and it's just that people seems seem to take for granted down what the government says, um, and I, I think there's more into that, um, and um, I really uh, the more just like this book, this book touches a lot of so, uh, topics superficially, um, doesn't go into details. Um, so this is a same thing happening here nowadays. We see certain things happen. We really need to find out why that happens. Um, and, and really need to find out the reason in order to make the right decision. Right, right. Spot on. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Nailed it. And one last thing I'd like to touch on is how when they actually took him, they took him to a parallel earth, a parallel universe before they boarded the craft. And would you mind going into that a little bit? Because I actually, that was the very beginning of the book. And that's the part I need to go back and refresh myself on because there's so much information you can't retain at all in one, in one shot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. One reading. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The author suggests people to read the book at least three times and I read it more than five times or six times. I still need to go into the book into more detail to find additional information. Um, so the parallel universe is actually like ribbons um, in the Earth's atmosphere. So people or spaceships or or maybe ships or planes near that uh, ribbon or the parallel universe get sucked into it. Um, but the ETs kind of utilize the parallel universe just to hide themselves from other people on Earth. So they don't want people, they don't want them to be seen by people on Earth. So that's why they took Michel de Marquet uh, into that parallel universe first. And then um, before taking him onto the uh, spacecraft, which is also, which was also uh, in the parallel universe. So in the parallel universe, Michel de Marquet saw a lot of very interesting people. He saw people wearing medieval clothes and also people like cavemen, like ancient people who he really couldn't communicate with. So in a parallel universe, as explained in this book, time stops. So people just um, remain there forever. They don't age, they don't feel thirst, they don't feel hunger. They just uh, uh, hang around there and don't, don't unless they get out, they just remain there forever. Um, and they don't feel any pain too. Um, it's a very interesting, I don't know if you know David Pilatus. He wrote a lot of books. Oh. On yeah. Oh, yeah. People who vanish in national parks in the U.S. The missing 411, 411 series of books. He did a lot of research, and I really like him um, for his efforts. Um, and I think um, one explanation of um, some of his cases is that people got sucked into this parallel universe. Because what he describes, like people who just suddenly vanish, and then their corpse corpse appear in uh, far places and that uh, they couldn't really, um, they couldn't have, like walk that far away in that short of a uh, time or or for, or when we hiked uh, onto that high altitude. Um, and it really explains that maybe the people got sucked into this parallel universe and then somehow they got out um, at another location there are other cases in which who people who vanish out of thin air. There was a case in like um, 
in, in a few hundred years ago in the US, 200 years ago in the US, in which uh, a family, the son, the, the young child, um, was uh, getting some water from, from a well. And then he walked, uh, it was snowing, and then it's actually described in the book as well. Uh, and I found that actual case, there were actually two cases in which they're very similar to what's described in the case. So, and then the young child just uh, disappeared out of a sudden. And then because it was snowing, people could just follow the footsteps, the footprints uh, of the snow. And then, but then the footprints just disappeared um, in the middle of nowhere. Um, but the family members heard him like yelling and, and heard him saying something, but the sound kind of um, um, got uh, just low and low. They, it's kind of like near midair or something that they, they couldn't really hear very clearly, but they know that it's his voice, his sound. Um, that really kind of make me think that that young child probably got sucked into a parallel universe. Um, there was one more evidence. Uh, David Gladys said that there were cases in which when they found a corpse, it felt that uh, it seemed to him that the corpse or the person uh, didn't feel any pain and they walked to the bones. The bones appeared. Normally, like uh, if a person would feel pain, um, the person wouldn't really like hurt him or herself. Uh, like the bones really appeared in, in that sense. But what he found out, David Pilatus found out that the corpse really had a lot of um, kind of uh, injuries that uh, a normal person wouldn't wouldn't really do to themselves. Um, so this is something very interesting in the book. The fact that you translated this into Chinese and it's now is it still the number one seller or bestseller? Or... It is one of the bestsellers in Taiwan and also in China. And uh, it's uh, people just love it. There's no, not a single penny was spent on advertising. Wow. Wow. Read it, loved it. Yes. That's amazing. It is. And yeah. that's, to me, that's incredible because of the content. And to be, and you come to America and it's all but out of print. I mean, there's not, I mean, it, there's, it's under a few different titles. Um, but I had never heard of the book until. Right. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> right it's not very popular not i would say the same yeah and the, the the one that i found was like 70 dollars, but he but he found it under a different title yeah so go ahead and show it and you can find well so this was printed last year it looks like 2021 okay go um, ahead and so it's under the what the golden the Theuba prophecy the golden planet right and so then if you just search if you just search the well it's hard to spell Theuba, but we'll put it in the description. yeah we'll put it in the description the link for this then the original title was abduction from the ninth planet and uh, there's multiple different translations of it and I, I just i find the whole thing very incredible actually and i recommend everybody read the book uh, we'll put a link for it I, I i guess you could just go on amazon do you recommend a place to purchase the book yes i recommend uh, people go through uh, going through amazon to purchase a book yeah. okay all right well there you go that's what i did right <laughs> Uh, is there anything else that you would like to share uh, about the book or the messages? I mean, we don't have to wrap this up right now. Um, if you had more to share. Um, I think the timing is very interesting because uh, if you really know about the, if you really know about the book of Enoch, Enoch was taken by, by 
by what they call God. Uh, according to Michel de Marquet, Enoch was taken by the same group of people, the Theobans. And um, when he, when Michel de Marquet read the book of Enoch, he immediately believed that uh, Enoch was taken by the Theobans to Theoba because there were a lot of resemblance in the descriptions of where Enoch was going to. Um, and um, remember, Noah was the great-grandson of Enoch. Um, so if you really do a lot of research on the timeline, uh, after Enoch was told to write a book, a few decades later, then Noah was um, told to build an ark. <laughs> so Michel de Marquet wrote this book in the late 80s. He was taken by the Theobans in 1987, and he wrote a book in 1989. So if you do the calculation, you'll know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we didn't even get into uh, life on Thea Uba. <laughs> like they, there's an entire section of the book that explains that planet and their technology and what it's like there, which is absolutely always fascinating to learn about other planets, in my opinion. But they also took him to other Earth-like planets that had suffered like a nuclear holocaust and uh, with large insectoid beings and things of that nature, things that we always hear about other experiencers talking about. He witnessed a lot of that himself, uh, and and they gave him like the ability to see auras, the ability to understand all languages just by activating his third eye. It's a gift that he lost on his upon his return. Now, the book is full of all kinds of very interesting stuff, and I recommend everybody go check it out. And uh, yeah, thank you so much yes. for joining us today, man. This was this was yeah, a lot of fun, you. incredible information, profound. And uh, we appreciate the work you're doing. And thank you for translating it so this message can get out far and wide. I'm sure the Thea Ubens are proud of you. <laughs> yes. And if you know any other people that um, I can share the book to, please let me know too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so absolutely. yeah, I, I will. Absolutely. We will do that. Um, Guys, go check out this book. Highly yes. recommend it if you don't want to, if you haven't already bought it <laughs> by now. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Samuel. Thank you guys for listening. And I want to thank you guys um, who have been donating to us. I, we don't give you a shout out enough, but we appreciate the donations. We really do. Uh, like I always say, we couldn't do this without you. We truly love you guys. This is a passion project and you guys are the reason we're still doing it. So thank you. And until next yes. time, have a great evening. Have a great evening, Samuel, and we will see you guys next week. Yeah, guys.